Okay, welcome back. Um, there's something I want to get out of the way first. If you're wondering why I'm in the dark, it's because the primary light source for this room is atrocious, and it shines right down on my head into the camera and creates this um, distortion that uh, I haven't gotten around to fixing yet. So I, I need some better lighting for this room, um, and I'll get to that very soon. But for right now, it's a horror podcast, so I figure... Um, perhaps you'll humor me a little bit um, about uh, being in the dark. Okay, let's, let's get right to it. Uh, last week, I ended up covering from Stephen King's Night Shift, uh, this very well-worn, uh, well-loved copy. Um, my personal favorite, or one of my personal favorites from his, uh, from him, uh, The Lawnmower Man. And what I realized when I cracked the book, which I hadn't done in quite a while in preparation for The Lawnmower Man, was that there was another favorite of mine that I had not read in a very long time. And when I first bought the book, I don't think I had read all of the stories before. So I was just picking through some of the big names and I was enjoying them all. But then, you know how it works, you end up picking up another book. And before you know it, maybe you haven't captured all 20 stories. There are 20 stories in there. And I strongly advise you, if you haven't read this, uh, Stephen King's Night Shift, uh, to go out and get yourself a copy. Um, support your local uh, bookstores. Um, Amazon's always there if you need it. But if you, if you have a choice um, and you have a, a local bookstore, they probably have a pretty extensive Stephen King uh, section there. There's a bookstore close to where I live uh, called Books and Millions. They have new and used books, new and used movies. It's dangerous to walk in there. Uh, you can spend a lot of money really fast. But the 19th story uh, out of this collection is a sequel to his 1975 vampire classic, Salem's Lot. Uh, funny story. Uh... I had a hardcover first edition of Salem's Lot uh, that I was very happy with uh, until my dog ate it. I, I bought a used copy in Red Bank, New Jersey almost 20 years ago for a dollar. And the minute I had gotten this dog, for some reason, she had become obsessed with the smell of this book. And she kept sniffing around it and sniffing around it and sniffing around it. And I would chase her away. And then one day I came home from work and she had just eaten it. So I still have my first edition of The Shining. Uh, that was another book that I had picked up for a dollar, but Salem's Lot is uh, no more. What are you going to do? But I remember that day in January, uh, almost 20 years ago, buying that copy and taking a bus back down to South Jersey from Red Bank. I was, I'm talking about towards the Atlantic City area, and there being a terrible, terrible blizzard. And being on this nice warm bus, I think I had a big cup of coffee with me, and I just had the overhead light going, and I'm just reading Salem's Lot while this blizzard is just kind of raging, and this bus is just blowing through uh, the blizzard, and just, you know, thinking that, that was that was the best time. That was, that was just so cool. But what I was getting around to is that, again, like I said, he wrote a sequel. Or what you 
might call an epilogue. I hope it's not an epilogue. Uh, I had recently uh, sent a tweet to him, and I know he's not going to respond to it, but I asked if uh, there was any consideration for returning to Salem's Lot. I mean, we went back to the Overlook Hotel, right, with Dr. Sleep. So, you know, give us a little bit of uh, something to hope for there, uh, Stephen King. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see this um, this podcast, uh, please uh, get us back to Salem's Lot. I'd love to know what's going on there. So, to me, Salem's Lot is the second best vampire novel of all time after Stoker's Dracula, which is, this is my copy of Stoker's Dracula. It's got some pretty cool uh, illustrations in there. Um, and, yeah, this is the best um, vampire novel of all time. Uh, the first... It's the best. I don't always agree with what's going on with, you know, because vampires have saturated the market today. But I don't agree with this, you know, vampires or, you know, these romantic, tragic characters of sorts. And I've always want, you know, we get all the way to, you know, Coppola's Dracula where, you know, and we've talked about this before in other podcasts where, you know, he's got three wives and, you know, one of them's the throwaway wife and, you know, Monica Bellucci's his wife and he's whining and dining with Winona Ryder. And when you look at the documentary from Todd Browning's movie with Lugosi, he says very clearly or, you know, it's said very clearly that Dracula is not a romantic figure. Um He's a parasite that drinks your blood to stay young. But for some reason, they've chosen to make him into this sort of romantic character. And I think even in Penny Dreadful, which is one of my all-time favorite series, uh, Dracula's like a curator in a museum. He has a part-time job um, as the director of a, of a museum. Uh, I don't know. Where, well, I, I, I was curious as to where that kind of thing c comes from. And someone yesterday actually told me that it comes from the 1920s, uh, the stage production that Lugosi used to um, star in, where he played the lead role of Dracula before uh, it went to uh, the big screen. He was on the stage for many years, playing that role hundreds of times. And I guess they introduced um, some sort of romantic spin on it to keep butts in the seats because... I guess a horror audience hadn't been developed yet, so you had to have something other than scaring the living crap out of people uh, to keep them coming back. So you add an element of romance, and you know, next thing you know, you're selling more tickets. So, okay, I get it. Um, in Salem's Lot, though, there's there's not much vampire. Ro there's no vampire romance going on in here. Um, these are parasites that want to eat you. And drink your blood and go to sleep, repeat. That that's that's pretty much it. So when I found this story called One for the Road, I had forgotten all about it. And so I looked at it and I had read it. This was the first time, this was not the first time I had read it 
for this podcast, maybe the second time I had read it. But the first time I had read it was years after I had bought Night Shift. I had bought it and, like I said, just, you know, not read all the stories and then come across it. I can't even remember how. And I was like, oh, this is related to Salem's Lot? Okay, let me read it. And I loved it. And then you just put the book away and, you know, I hadn't come back to it until I did The Lawnmower Man. So I'm not going to read uh, One for the Road. I suggest that you go out there and get yourself a copy of the book uh, because all the stories are worth it and see for yourself. But I, I will do uh, a small review of the story. And I'm going to also be covering another story that I stumbled into for a book that I had um, that for some reason was one of like 100 plus books that didn't make it back to the United States when I moved uh, back here in August. Uh, which And that name of that book is 20th Century Ghosts by Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. And one of the stories in there is called... Abraham's Boys, and I'm trying to show you this in a way that doesn't um, blind you. Abraham's Boys by Joe Hill. So this is going to be a vampire-filled episode. Um, I have no problems with vampires. Like I said, they're saturating the market. The werewolf is, and that leads me to my question: Where is where are all the werewolf books? Uh, not Twilight. Not Twilight. Um, again, you know, I, I think the market is saturated with this horror romance, you know, so they're werewolves. Um, but yeah, werewolves, no, no. Where are the horror werewolf novels? I've just listed three um, stories, books uh, related to vampires, um, you know, Dracula being the archetype. Uh, where, where's the werewolf equivalent? But I guess that's a that's an episode for another day. Let's get into One for the Road. One for the Road uh, was written in 1977 by King, two years after the publication of Salem's Lot. And it's the story of two men sitting in a bar. Um, and so you understand this 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 story is only 16 pages long. So it just kind of takes off right from the beginning. And maybe that's the, I wonder if there's a, a, there's a difficulty with that. I mean, with King Salem's Lot, you could have 300 pages. You could be the stand with over a thousand pages. You it with over a thousand pages. You've got as much space as you can muster. But with a short story, you kind of have to get to it right away. And this does not disappoint. Like I said, in this book, um, 16 pages. Two men sitting in a bar in an adjoining town two years after the events of Salem's Lot. And I'm not going to get into the spoilers uh, because I, I want you to read it. But everybody in the adjoining town understands what happened at Salem's Lot, but nobody speaks of it. It's kind of an open taboo or an open secret. And one night in the middle of a nor'easter, this man comes stumbling in from out of town, from New Jersey, half frozen to death, and starts telling this story about how he 
has walked six miles, left his wife and his seven-year-old daughter in the car because their car slammed into a snowdrift, and he left the car running with the heat on, and he needs help. So can somebody please come and, you know, help him retrieve his wife and daughter? What the people, the two men in the bar, uh, both of them uh, being in their 60s and 70s, realized very quickly is that this man has left his wife and daughter in the car, just like he said, but six, uh, six miles away leads directly into Salem's lot. So this man has left his wife and seven-year-old daughter in a car all alone in the middle of a blizzard in Salem's lot. You understand what that means. And so what happens from there, and again, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, is that these two men decide to attempt a rescue with the husband, meaning that they're going to go back into Salem's lot and attempt to rescue these two women. It's a fantastic story. It's just, it's fantastic. It takes off like a shot. He develops the characters very quickly. You don't need, uh, you know, necessarily a ton of backstory for something like this because the premise has already been set two years ago with the original source material, with Salem's Lot. So from there, everything's already been established. You already know, you know, what's waiting. And, and just think about it. What if... The next town over, I mean, how, how far is five miles from your house? If the next town over uh, was a burnt-to-the-ground husk, probably roaming with the vampires. I, I thought the characters were great. Um, the, the story arc, um, as it, you know, quickly moves uh, towards uh, the climax, was just thoroughly enjoyable. Thoroughly enjoyable. Um, yeah, um, when, when, by the time you get to the ending, um, it's, it's very, it's a very rewar rewarding ending and I can't believe that this story isn't more well-known. I, I can't believe that someone hasn't made this into a major, into a, into a full movie. Um, I've seen recently on YouTube um, some people make some attempt at short film production of this uh, at about the 45-minute level. I, I, some, I read somewhere that Stephen King charges uh, student filmmakers a dollar uh, to make productions uh, of his work. So if you pay him a dollar, you can make a production of his work without any sort of legal trouble or anything like that. But I'm surprised that a major studio has not grabbed up this story uh, because it's a winner. It's a winner. And it's just uh, wonderful to read. You don't want it to end. You don't want it to end. There are so many good stories um, in this anthology here. Um, let's see. And so many titles that you, you probably already know. Uh, okay. The pages are literally falling apart. And I think I went through some of this 
uh, last week when we talked about this. And I can't, oh geez, I can't even get the pages to separate. They're so old. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Uh, graveyard Shift. Uh, the Mangler. Sometimes they come back. I think Trucks. Trucks, which is, uh, I think that was the basis for uh, Maximum Overdrive. Uh, that old uh, that old chestnut. The Lawnmower Man. Quitters, Inc. Children of the Corn. And One for the Road. I mean, those was just maybe five or six titles out of 20. And these are all solid. So if you get a chance, get yourself to the bookstore. I checked on Kindle. The individual story is not available on Kindle. But you can buy Night Shift on Kindle. Or better yet, get yourself to your local used bookstore and uh, support your, your local bookstores. Okay, with uh, picking up a copy of Stephen King. I'm sure every bookstore anywhere that you go is going to have a good Stephen King uh, pile. And you'll probably be able to pick it up for a, for a good price. All right. So do that. Okay. Um, that's, that's kind of all I'm going to say about it. Um, it's fantastic. I've gave you the setup. Now you just have to go and uh, execute. Okay. The second uh, story I want to get to here today, tonight, Joe Hill's Abraham's Boys. Now, Abraham's Boys, I I've read some Joe Hill. I've read Nosferatu. I had an extensive, um, I had a pretty good collection of Joe Hill. Um, I had, what was it, Horns? Um, I had a pretty good collection of Joe Hill books. And again, you know, for some reason, all the way coming from South Asia to the United States, over 100 of my books uh, just didn't make it. And almost, I, I think one Joe Hill book uh, made it. it. It might be Horns. I think so. But one of the books that I did have that I never read, I just never got around to reading it, is his horror anthology, 20th Century Ghosts. And if I had, then I would have stumbled upon this story, which the premise is just, okay, here's the premise. The story takes place, I'd say, 15 years after Stoker's Dracula. And it examines the story of, or the, the it, it examines what's happened to Abraham Van Helsing. 15 years or so after the events in Dracula, where he is now living in America. And due to the public scrutiny or the, the, the exposure uh, of what happened during the events of Dracula, his career has essentially been ruined across Europe. And so he's had to leave. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler because, again, it's a very short book. It's one of those books, short stories you can read probably in about 30 minutes. And this is available. Well, again, go out and get yourself uh, a copy of Joe Hill's 20th Century Books. Uh, support your local bookstores uh, as much as you can. Van Helsing apparently has married Mina. Um, something has happened to Harker. Uh, 
And it is essentially about the relationship between Van Helsing and his two sons. One of them, I think the youngest is about 10, the other maybe 12 or 13. And he is essentially, Van Helsing has become a tyrant uh, to them. Um, they, they live in isolation in a very rural part of the United States. And um, he's been preparing his children uh, for the ongoing fight against vampires, believing that at any time vampires may come for retribution based on the events of Dracula. And when I heard that this story had been out there and I hadn't read it, I was just floored. I, I was obsessed for like two days. I was like, oh my God, I have to get a copy of this. Do I want to repurchase 20th century um, ghosts? Um, I, I filled up a copy because I didn't want to wait. Um, I didn't want to wait for delivery and I wasn't able to make it out to my local bookstore. So I cheated. I, I got a copy on Amazon. You can see that I did. Um, and it was it was 99 cents. But what I'm going to end up doing is uh, going out and repurchasing a copy of 20th Century Ghosts um, just to have a hard copy. Um, things are very unreliable these days in the digital world. And you're seeing that uh, companies like Amazon are, you know, well, they're banning, you know, certain books or they're not agreeing to publish them. And if Amazon doesn't agree to sell, not to publish, but to sell your book, a lot of publishers just aren't going to um, agree to publish them. So, you know, you never know. You never know. The digital world is unreliable. I, I like to have my hard copies uh, right here, you know, that I have in my hand, um, you know, my Blu-rays in hand, my paper copies in hand, um, you know, things that I can touch that can sit on my shelf and that, you know, that I can grab at any time. That's what I prefer. Do I have a Kindle? Yes. Um, do I like to depend on? Do I like to depend on it? No. Um, it serves its purpose, and in this case, it did. But okay, let me get off that tangent. Uh, what you've got here is just a fantastic premise for a story, and the closest thing that I can think of that's come close is. Uh, Kim Newman's uh, Anno Dracula, which takes place, uh, and that's another book I, I would love to cover. And again, it's one of about six books that mysteriously just did not make it back to the United States. Um, so they're sitting somewhere, and I hope someone's enjoying them, but I don't have them. I had about uh, five or six of those um, in the series, and I was really enjoying them. Uh, and again, if you have an opportunity to get Kim Newman's Anno Dracula, please do. It's a fantastic premise uh, that essentially um, says that Dracula succeeded. Um, he defeats, uh, he kills Harker um, and most of the characters uh, from Dracula and succeeds in spreading uh, vampirism through Western Europe, which was his plan all along. And it, that's kind of the beginning of the story. Um, it kind of goes from there. So the only thing I can think of where, you know, anyone's come close to, you know, touching on this, uh, this Stoker canon um, is that. But this, again, uh, a very short story about Van Helsing's two sons 
and his relationship with them, um, which, as you can imagine, would be a little odd. Um, and it certainly is. The ending uh, was nothing that I saw coming. Nothing that I saw coming. And I was thoroughly pleased by it. I was shocked. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not being hyperbolic here. I was shocked by the ending uh, to this story, uh, how it concluded. So, again, uh, get yourself to your local bookstore. Get yourself to... Um, you know, the shelves and pick up these books, Night Shift, uh, 20th Century Ghosts, Joe Hill, uh, read them, enjoy them, uh, have some fun out there. And uh, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to wrap it up with that. Uh, next week, I'm going to, I did a poll and I asked what, I, I'm going to be getting back to movies. I, I've got a long list of guests coming up. We're going to go, go back to reviewing movies. But um, for now, uh, I'm enjoying uh, reading these stories. And so I'm enjoying uh, talking about them. And next week, I'm going to tackle something really difficult. I'm going to take on uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, something I haven't read in decades. So, um, you know, clearly... Uh, that that's not going anywhere. I mean, you know, that that the the shine on that that's never going to fade. Uh, that particular star. So I'm looking forward to getting back into that and uh, being able to offer up a review. But after that, um, I'm going to be uh, taking uh, back the you know the the movie reviews uh, with uh, quite a slew of guests. We've got some good things coming up. Um, but I'm enjoying doing this, uh, talking about books. I'm a teacher and I'm a literature major, so I can talk about books all day. It's it's not a problem. Um, and maybe we'll do some, um, some panel discussions uh, on books uh, in the future. If we can do something like a horror book club or something like that, that, that will be really cool. Okay. Um, that's it for now. Um, again, you know, two great stories two great books. Get yourself to your local bookstore, uh, pick up a copy and uh, pull up a chair. The weather's getting warm. So, you know, I don't know if these are exactly beach reads, uh, but before uh, you turn in at night, uh, maybe uh, get in a few pages. They're short story anthologies. So it's not war and peace. You can do it. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, take care. And I promise uh, to get this, uh, this lighting situation fixed uh, very soon. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.